Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. And if you have your Bibles, take your Bibles and turn uh, to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 6. I'll be reading several verses of Scripture. Then I'll be sharing with you what God has put on my heart to tell you this morning. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, the Bible says, And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father, who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Get Ready for our fast. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time together. Lord, I thank you for this place that you allow us to gather together in your name. And Father, I pray right now that you would strengthen me to say the things that you'd have me to say. God, give us ears to hear what you have to say to us. Lord, I thank you that you are our heavenly Father, that you see everything that we do, and you hear us when we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Get ready for our fast. I have been preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ since 1982. Uh, that's almost 40 years, and in that time, I've been to a lot of conferences, a lot of workshops. I've sat under a lot of mentors, and I've never been to a conference on church growth or leadership or any other type of conference that listed fasting as one of, one of the main courses in the conference. There's not a lot of teaching on fasting. There's not a lot of preaching on fasting. And I'll tell you that why that is. There's two reasons. Number one, because people don't want to do it. And number two, because it really works. Uh, see, on the one hand, God's people, all of us, people in general, we're selfish. Can you say amen? We, we, we love to please ourselves. We, we want what we want, and we want it now. That's why we make popcorn different now than we made it when we were kids. I told y'all, I, I miss it sometimes, not too much. It's a lot easier with, with that bag in the microwave, but to get out that big, tall pot and put grease in it and pour kernels in it, stand there and shake it and tear up the burner on your stove until it was ready, uh, that was the old way of making popcorn. But we're a society that wants everything done quickly. So fasting uh, is not really something that most people get into. Not only is it not done quickly, but it's about separate self-deprivation. It's about depriving ourselves. And if you've lived any length of time, you know that doesn't really go with the American mindset. And on the other hand, on the spiritual hand, the devil doesn't want God's people to fast because he knows it works. God wants, people, God wants his people to fast, and we're going to look at that this morning, and I'm going to let you decide how you want to react according to what God has to say every year our church has a 21-day fast in the month of January to set the table for the new year to start the new year off right and we will be doing that 
this coming January. I think the dates are uh, like the 9th through the 30th, but y'all know it'll be somewhere near the first part to the end of the month. So I want you to start thinking about fasting, to start praying about fasting, to start seeking God for how you will fast during the month of January. Now, we're going to cover some things. It's going to be a little teaching this morning. I'm going to try to move through it quickly, but I want you to stay up with me. One of the things I want you to understand right off the bat, even though we do this every January, we don't do this as a routine and we don't do this as a show. We got to be serious about serious things if we want to get what we're asking God for. Can you say amen? So let's look at our opening text this morning, just three verses in Matthew 6, 16. Uh, Jesus said, and when you fast, don't make it obvious. Notice in the very beginning of verse 16, he didn't say, and if you fast. He said, when you fast. Are you following me? So this is an assumed behavior of the Lord's followers. God assumes that believers will fast, and he gives this instruction. He says, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. So we see that not only do God's people fast, but phonies fast too. Not only do real Christians fast, but fake, phony, church-going hypocrites fast too. But there ought to be a distinction between the real believer and the fake believer. The Bible talks about spiritual brethren, our brothers and sisters in Christ, but it also says there are false brethren crept in among us unaware. So th there, there is this behavior going on, but it's a behavior that some people take seriously and do it the right way, and other people do it the wrong way. You know, as I've studied the Bible for many years, I found out there's a, there's a right way and a wrong way to do almost everything. There's a, right way, there's a right way and a wrong way to greet people in church. There's a right way and a wrong way to worship God. There's a right way and a wrong way to give to God. And there's a right way and a wrong way to fast to God. But let's continue seeing the instruction here. He said, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. There, there is... A way to do fasting that people will notice that you can get a reward from them. And there's a way to do fasting that God will notice that you can get a reward from him. But we're going to be talking about this over the next few weeks because I want this church fast to be the, the largest spring forward in the history of our church. I believe that the 21 days of fasting that we go through a church normally catapults us in to advancing God's kingdom uh, more deeply and more rapidly. And I'm looking for great results this year. So I'm going to be preaching about it before we get into it so you can be getting your heart and your mind and your fast together. Jesus said the people that do it wrong, that do it just so people will notice them for doing it. He said, I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. The sad reality is a lot of people that do things for Christ as they would consider in their own mind that they're doing it in service of God, whether it's food and clothing, preaching, teaching, deking, ushing, giving, sharing, anything you do can be done to get a reward from God or people. And when people give you too much reward, God just lets that be. Are you following me? 
You shouldn't need a pat on the back for everything you do in the kingdom of God. You shouldn't need to be uh, trumpeted for everything that you do when you do it for God. And Jesus said, if, if you go about your fast so people will know that you're fasting, so you make a big deal out of the process of fasting, that's the only reward you will ever get. And I want you to keep that in mind. In verse 17, he said, but when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Now, I'm hoping most people comb their hair and wash their face anyway. We don't live in a culture like these people did that when they were fasting, they just made themselves look as raggedy as they could. So people would say, my Lord, what's wrong with you? And they'd say, oh, I'm so holy, I'm fasting. We're going to wash our face and comb our hair every day anyway. But what I want you to get from this is it's got to be more than an external thing. It's got to be something that is done on the inside. In verse 18, Jesus said, Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. This is a teaching that doesn't just apply to fasting. This is a teaching that applies to everything we do in our life. God knows what you do in private. God knows your private thoughts. God knows the private conversations you have. God knows everything. It's so funny. I've told y'all before, when I would go to visit my grandmother on my mother's side in the summer when I was a school-age kid, uh, my grandmother had a party line. Anybody remember party lines? Uh, most, most, some of y'all too young to remember. Some of y'all had them in your own homes. But the party line was where a bunch of people in one location shared the same phone line. And you were supposed to be a good neighbor, and if you picked it up and you heard someone else talking on it, you just hung it up and waited your turn. But if you were a little grandchild visiting a house and being you know, curious about a party line, you covered the receiver and laughed out loud and pretended they didn't hear you until they finally said, little boy, get off that party line. And that developed a, a thing that I still hear people say today. Uh, I've had people tell me, well, you know, I don't really want to talk about that on the phone because we don't know who's listening. I'd rather have that discussion face to face. Uh, I want to tell you something. They're listening to everything. They, they already know everything. And there are no party lines in, the, in, in America anymore. So you, you're liable to be overheard by people listening face to face as much as you are on a telephone but whether you ever had a party line or whether you didn't whether you like to talk personal on the phone or don't I want to say this to you for sure this morning God hears all your conversations God hears all the thoughts that you are in your head and I believe one of the reasons we're not as rewarded as God would like us to be because every father wants to reward his children is because he hears everything and he sees everything now, most of you that have been around for a while, you know I do Christmas a little different in that I don't really do it. To me, it's just another day of the year. I like the fact that for the people who believe that it's, you know, to think about the birth of Christ, I love that. I love the Advent. I, I, I love when people are talking about Jesus for any reason. But in my home, we don't do a tree and, and all that other stuff and, and, and gifts and things like that. I'm not saying I'm against it because I'm not. That's just our tradition. We do, we do Christmas a little different. You follow your own tradition. But 
I'm not anti-Christmas. Some people think because I don't go all out for Christmas that I'm anti-Christmas. I'm not anti-Christmas. I'm not anti-hot chocolate. I'm not even anti-Santa Claus except for that one song that I've told you about before because I believe that people stole it from the power of God to attribute it to a fake person that doesn't exist. The song about Santa Claus where he says he, he sees you when you're sleeping. He, he knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. No, he doesn't. There's, there's, there's no mythical man in a red suit that, that can see you asleep and awake and know if you've been bad or good. But there is a God in heaven that knows everything. Oh, if we could understand that, I think it might change. The pastor in the church I used to go to when I was a kid, he was one of the mean preachers that liked to scare people. And he'd say stuff like that. Would you say that if God was sitting next to you? And I always thought the same thing. You tell us every week that God's right here. That God's everywhere. We need to understand he is sitting next to you. And if you're saved, he is in you. So there is this, there's this duality here that Jesus is teaching. You can do what you do for God and get rewarded by people. Oh, look at so-and-so. She's such a wonderful human being. You know, she serves in food and clothing. She helps so much all the time. That's great. And uh, people will probably say that about you if you're that kind of person. But the reward you should be doing it for is the love that you have for God, not the praise of people. Jesus said in verse 18, he said that no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private, and your father who sees everything will reward you. I want you to be sure in your mind that there is a reward for doing what God tells you to do. We shouldn't do it for the reward. We should do it because we love him. But I want you to understand, even as the psalmist said, that there are benefits in serving God, and we should not forget all of his benefits. And I promise you this, if you will study fasting this month, if you will pray about fasting this month and enter into the fast corporately with us next month, God is going to reward you. I'm going to cover some broad-based things today just in preparation for the teaching that's coming. So pay attention to these broad-based things and let's learn something or remember some things today. The first question anybody ought to have when it comes to fasting is how to fast. So the Greek word for fasting is nestii, and it's, it's a compound uh, with a negative prefix, estio, which means to eat. So fasting literally means not to eat. It's the negative of eating. It's not eating. So we, most of us understand that fasting means not eating, but there are different ways not to eat, and there are different things not to eat, and there are different ways to fast. I believe personally that the reason why God chose fasting as a way to turn to him with your whole heart, as a way to really get closer to God, is because it is a means of self-denial. It's denying uh, what my body wants. It's, it's a way of saying that food is secondary to something else. And how many of y'all know in many places in the world, food is a primary concern. If you ever do any survival training, if you ever do any uh, prepper training, you, you'll find out that the three basic necessities people talk about is food, water, and shelter. And we take all that stuff for granted in America. We're no, I don't think any of us are uh, 
have been desperately wondering where our next meal is going to come from. And there are countries around the world where they send their children out at dawn to scurry in landfills to find a handful of food to bring home. Americans don't live in that type of way. But even still, we're expected to fast. And if you've never denied yourself of anything, denying yourself of food can be a big deal. But it can never be focused on the fasting, the denying of food. I tell you, every year when we do this, don't let your fast be about what you're not doing. Let it be about what you are doing. Because if fasting is just denying yourself food, then that's just a diet. And it's a bad diet at that. Biblical fasting, Christian fasting, is not just denying the food, but it's also adding in more focus on God. Now, one of the things that we talked about this past week in Bible study, and one of the things that I hope everyone understands at a high level is that, that God never changes. Do you believe that? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, I'm not a man that I should change. He said, I am the Lord. I change not. God is always the same. So if you want to know anything about God, you can find it in this book from the first chapter to the last chapter. So many people say, Pastor Scott, I'm glad to be a New Testament Christian. I'm glad I live in this generation and not the Old Testament generation because God was all about justice and wrath in the Old Testament. He's about grace and mercy in the New Testament. And I've told you before, that's just not true. God is still about the same amount of justice today as he was in the Old Testament. And he was about the same amount of grace then as he is now. He's always the same. So what I want you to do with that concept in mind is think about what the sign of God's covenant, the mark of God's covenant was in the Old Testament. Somebody say it. It starts with a C and rhymes with circumcision. Very good. See, you, you get an A in class today. Circumcision. Now, I'm not going to take you all the way there. Some people are worried, what's he going to say next? I'm not going to take you all the way there. But what circumcision was in the natural, to parallel its meaning in the spiritual, was the cutting away of unnecessary flesh. Cutting away, that's what circumcision is in the natural. It's cutting away unnecessary, unneeded unuseful, unproductive, cannot be used to reproduce flesh. Cutting away. So guess what the sign of God still is because he never changes? Circumcision. But the Bible tells us in the New Testament that the circumcision now is not the circumcision of the flesh made with hands, but it's the circumcision of the spirit made in your heart. You still need unnecessary flesh cut away. Are you following me? God never changes. The problem with the average Christian in America is they're walking around with too much unnecessary flesh. And the more you feed it, the more it grows. And the more you deny it, the more it dies. And this is why fasting is such a great subject to be studying and something that every Christian should be involved in. So fasting is not eating, but biblical fasting is not eating with a spiritual goal in mind. Hear this if you don't hear anything else. Biblical fasting always occurs together with prayer in the Bible. Always. Fasting and prayer. See, you can pray without fasting. Most people, I don't know anybody that's in an elongated fast right now, but you can eat and pray. You can pray without fasting, but biblically you can't fast without praying. Mm, think about it. I need you to get these things. 
Biblical fasting is deliberately abstaining from food for a spiritual reason, goal, or purpose. You can fast any kind of food you want to. And we'll even look at some other ways of self-denial in the next few weeks. But it must involve more prayer. Say more prayer. Let me give you a couple of different types of fast in the Bible. Uh, the normal fast, the partial fast, and the absolute fast. The normal fast was a type of fast where a person abstained from food but not water, and that duration, duration varied. Uh, it, 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 it was any length of time. Uh, Jesus had a fast of 40 days, and um, that he fasted the normal fast. Then there's the partial fast, which is a type of fast where the emphasis is placed on a restriction of the diet rather than abstaining completely for food. Examples of this are uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They only ate certain types of food and drank only water. And that, that's an example of a partial fast, changing what you normally eat to eat something else. Uh, like for me, if I didn't eat McDonald's, well, they, they would ha have a fit. It's God's heaven truth. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not making this up. The, there's a lady at McDonald's uh, in the drive-thru that if I go to a different McDonald's than the one closest to my house, she's like, oh, so you decided to come back. I didn't see you yesterday. Like I'm punching the clock at McDonald's. But I can tell you this, if I didn't eat, if I replaced eating McDonald's with eating um, stewed vegetables, bleh, hurt me that that could be type of a, a type of a fast the type of a partial fast but then there's the fast that most people think of uh and it's the absolute fast this is one in which you refrain from everything and uh you, you just do away with it all and examples of this fast moses fasted an absolute fast elijah ezra esther and paul and you got to decide how you want to do this I want you to involve in our, in our fast. This is why I'm talking to you about this morning. I want you to decide, are you going to do um, a, a partial fast where you just switch your diet up some? Maybe you'll go with the most famous fast. Secular people have made a fast in the Bible famous. Anybody know what the name of it is? A Daniel fast. Maybe you want to do a Daniel fast. Uh, that's, that's become real popular for health food nuts. Um, but I want you to be deciding over the next few weeks what type of fast you're going to do. So what is fasting? We covered that. What are types of fasting? We covered that. Now, uh, uh, another question is why fast? And you need to know the why for everything you do. Uh, it, it's great to know what the answer is uh, of how you should live, but you need to know why you should do what you do. And one of my favorite verses that you hear all the time is Jeremiah 29, 13. And God said, you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. This is not normal. Say not normal. This is not, it's not normal because the average Christian never seeks God this way. Most people do not seek or search for God with all of their heart. We add God in on the side. We give God a little bit left over. We, we you know, do a little of us and a little of God. But 
The reason why we should fast is because fasting is an expression of wholeheartedness. It is next level stuff. It's doing more than what you've done. And if you want to get more, you got to do more. If you want to reap more, you got to plant more. Listen to what the Bible says in Joel chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore also now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. So when God told Joel to proclaim a fast, he said it's this kind of deal. It's an all-your-heart deal. It's, it's fasting that involves everything you have with weeping and with mourning. Now, most people don't look at crying as a positive. But the Bible tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. The Bible tells us to turn from our wicked ways with mourning. There ought to be a time where you cried about how raggedy you are. There ought to be a time where you've become so upset with your own level of filth before a holy God to where it's just caused you to cry out to God and say, please, oh Lord, deliver me. Fasting can help you break things that haven't been broken off your life yet. Fasting can help take you to another level in Christ. Listen to what the great preacher and author Andrew Murray said. Fasting helps to express, to deepen, and to confirm the resolution that we're ready to sacrifice anything, to sacrifice ourselves, to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. It, it helps us to get to where we're going. Now, if I had uh, time to just go around to every person in the room today and just say, are you really serious about serving God? How many of y'all know that there's at least uh, one person in this room that's not totally sold out to God? Mm. I, I, I'm trying not to point at everybody in the room because may, maybe somebody is, is, is really uh, seeking God at a high level, but I agree with Andrew Murray. This helps us uh, to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. So there, there's your why. Now let's go to the when. When should I fast? Well, in God's word, fasting is always connected with desperation. Desperation. And that's something seldom seen in churches today. Most people just come to church. Most people just go about their life as, you know, ho, ho, hum, hum. Here we go. Let's do it all over again. But there needs to be in the body of Christ a desperation for God to be glorified. There ought to be in the Christian life a desperation that says, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I just want God to deliver me and, and to, to be all in me that I'm believing him for. This desperation will lead to the move of God in your life, and fasting is, is, is something that plays into your desperation. When you deny yourself of food to focus on God, this shows that you value God higher than your own personal desires. When a person's really concerned about the things of God, self-denial becomes the norm, and chasing God with your whole heart is what we need to be doing. Let's talk about some biblical principles on fasting. I already told you fasting's assumed in the New Testament. Jesus said, when you fast, not if you fast. Now, I don't want you to answer out loud, but I want you to think, when's the last time you fasted? 
When's the last time you had a serious debt? I'm not talking about uh, skipping lunch, and I tell you all every year during our fast, uh, you can't say I'm fasting breakfast if you never eat breakfast, okay? But most people, even though Jesus assumed that we would fast, most people have, have not fasted in a long time, if ever. I told you the length of the fast is, uh, is varied. It, it can be different amounts of time. Some fasts last longer than others. Some are a day. Some, some are one meal. Uh, we see as much as 40 days. The time frame is not nearly as important as your focus and your heart when you do it. And I want you to start thinking about, are you ready to go deeper in Christ? Because if you are, you need to look forward to this fast and you need to embrace the teaching that we're going to have over the next few weeks about this fast. Now, I know some people fast and still engage in their sin. If you're doing that, you're just on a diet. You could go total water only fast, but if you're still out there uh, slipping and being shady, uh, don't expect God's going to bless that. Fasting does not negate our responsibility to be obedient to God. You can't just say, well, I'm fasting and God's going to bless that and, and then not obey God. Always remember what God said in 1 Samuel 15, 22, to obey is better than sacrifice. Fasting is not a magic pill that you take that will give you more than what you have. It's a process that is to be involved with wholehearted seeking God. Let's talk about some occasions for fasting. I've shared with you before seven different occasions biblically when the people of God fasted. And I'll run through those real quick with you this morning. And I want you to be thinking as you hear about these, are you already in this place? Are you already feeling this kind of way? Because if you are, then this fast should be great for you. If you are, then this fast is something that you really need to enter in. First thing, mourning someone's death. Now, the reality is if you live long enough, you're going to lose somebody that you care about. And the older you live, the more rapid those days come. Anybody figured that out yet? You, you start living longer, uh, all your friends start dying, your family starts dying. But mourning someone's death is a biblical reason for fasting. We see fasting and mourning connected in, in 1 Samuel, 1 Chronicles, our book of the month, chapter 10, uh, 2 Samuel. All through the Bible, we see fasting uh, going along with mourning someone's death. It was so much part of the culture that if you study the life of David, when his child died, he washed his face and got up and ate. And everybody was confused. His counselor said, why aren't you fasting? Your child just died. That's how common it was in the Hebrew mindset to fast as you're mourning someone's death. David broke from norms and didn't fast at that point, but it didn't negate the reality. Fasting still, it's a great time to fast when you're mourning someone's death. Another biblical reason we see for fasting is mourning over sin, uh, which accompanies repentance and confession. You can find examples of this all through the Old Testament and the New Testament. I, if you want all these Bible verses, text me, and I'll, I'll send you hundreds of Bible verses um, for why you should fast. But mourning in repentance and confession is a great time to fast. The reality is most people aren't upset about their sin. If we went around the room right now and we called out, what is that sin that trips you up the most? What is that pothole 
that spiritual pothole that you seem to keep bumping into the most. We'd have different reasons. But then if I said, how much time do you spend mourning over it? Then we would have uh, uh, some, some commonality in the room because most people aren't mourning over their sin. But I want you to know it's a biblical reason to fast. When you're tired of your sin, when you're tired of yourself, when you're tired of making the same mistakes over and over and over again, we see biblical patterns of people who fasted while they were mourning over their sin. And remember, the Bible says if you fast the right way, God is going to reward you. And I want you to get that reward during this fast. Another time people fasted biblically was when they were facing an impending danger or when they needed God's protection. You read in the Old Testament, Ezra was carrying a large consignment of gold and silver uh, to the temple in Jerusalem along a, a route that had a lot of criminals on it. And he proclaimed a fast so that God would protect him. I don't know what you're going through, but if, if you're going through tough times and it just seems like everything is against you, it is a great time to fast. Another reason biblically for fasting is for direction. Say direction. This seems to always come up every year I fast. I, I write down one of these seven reasons and sometimes two and sometimes five uh, reasons why I'm fasting. It, it seems like I'm always searching God for direction because I know that God is going to hold me accountable and responsible for the direction of this church. That's why God tells people who are pastors uh, to, to take good care of the flock over which God has made you overseers. There's a responsibility that I have to answer to God for, for direction. But not just me as a pastor, you in your own life. If you're a single person, you, you got to uh, seek God for direction of how you lead yourself. If you have children you're responsible for, you need direction for how to lead your children. And we need God to give us direction. You can find People fasting for that all throughout the Bible, fasting so that God would give them guidance and direction. Another one is for sickness. People in the Bible always fasted, or many of them fasted during times of sickness. We, we've got examples uh, in, in all through Samuel and, and the Psalms. Uh, people, when David was, was sick, he would fast. He said he would put on uh, clothes of sadness and show his sorrow by going without food. I wonder how long you think you could go without your favorite snack. How long could you go without your favorite drink? How long could you go without eating before you started to miss it? See, that's the point of fasting. Denying yourself something that you're used to so that you get to a place where you miss it so you spend more time crying out to God. If you engage in this fast, here's my prayer for you. I pray that you'll engage in this fast and you'll have some hunger pains. And every time you have those hunger pains, you'll go in prayer to God. And you'll just go to God's word and you'll spend more time with God. Another reason people fasted in the Bible was when they were ordaining missionaries or church leaders. We are, we are looking at making some changes uh, and, and bringing in, we brought in some new leaders already, bringing in more new leaders and we're going to be fasting and praying uh, for God to put the right people in the right place. And I want you to uh, join in with us on that. And then here, the last one, number seven. And this is something that everyone should want. If you're truly saved, you should want special revelation from God. You should want to be able to hear God's voice more clearly. You should be able to want to uh, sense God's leading 
more greatly. The people would fast for special revelation uh, where they wanted God to speak to them, to show them what to do. If you've never been in a place where you are sure that you're sure that God told you to do something, I want you to experience that in your life. Uh, I, I get a little nervous about people who say, you know, God told me. When, people, when I hear people say, God told me, I ask them, well, what did he sound like? Did he, have, did he talk fast? Did he talk slow? Country accent? Northern accent. Sound like he was from Boston or New Hampshire. Well, I mean, what did he, what did he and people say, God talked to me. In, uh, God, God came into my room last night and talked to me. I get a little nervous about those people because I know the Scripture says that no one has seen God and lived. And so there, there, there's an issue with that. But I do believe God can speak to us. If you study the Bible, you'll see that God doesn't typically speak in the big things. He speaks in the still quietness on the inside. Uh, the Bible calls it a still small voice on the inside, and I want you to be able to begin to hear that. If we went around the room today and I asked you, what's the last thing you undoubtedly heard from God? I'm not talking about in an audible voice. I'm not saying God couldn't do that. I'm just saying that that's not his norm. But when's the last time God told you something specifically? Oh, I want everybody to get to that place of special revelation. But we got to have some guidelines put in place about fasting and we're going to cover this more and in some different ways over the next couple of weeks but I want you to reach a personal conviction on the subject of fasting through your own Bible study don't just let what you know about God be something that me or someone else taught you get in the Bible for yourself and let God speak to you I was sharing with a friend this week um, who, who, who told me that they never went to Bible college and seminary, and they, they, they don't know, they haven't had an opportunity to learn as much about the Bible as I have because of the years that I spent in Bible college and seminary that they didn't. Hear me real good. I told them this. I'll tell you this because it's still true. I didn't learn that much in Bible college and seminary that I didn't already know. The majority of what I learned about God, I learned in my bedroom reading my Bible. I wish more than two people could say amen. If you want to know God in a deeper way, you don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to go to seminary, but you do have to spend time with him. And I want you to get information from the Word of God for yourself. It's great. We all need pastors. We all need teachers. The Bible says that plainly. But we also need to learn how to find our convictions in the Word of God. So I'm asking you right now, start getting in the Word more and find out what the Bible says about fasting. Check the things that I've said here and compare them to Scripture. We are going to go into a 21-day fast, and that's a long time. Some people are going to try to bite off more than they can chew, and that, that's not the way to do it. I, I, in my life, I've been in some really long fasts. Uh, I fasted 40 days on water one time, um, and I don't encourage the average person to do that. And if you've got any health concerns, you certainly should not do that. I don't remember how long the fast was. I remember one time, though, I was fasting um, just water only, and Elder Jimmy was a new elder, and he was trying to be like his pastor, and he decided he was just going to fa water fast only too. Now, the reason I say he was trying to be like his pastor because I don't believe God told him to fast water only. And I want you to learn how to seek to hear what God wants you to do. 
Because, I mean, how many days in was it? About three days in. Now, me fasting water only, and, and this was back when he was a younger man, <clears throat> actually had a real job and worked out in the heat and, 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 and dug holes for fences, and he's out there sweating buckets of water in the Florida heat and only drinking water, and he's starting to get all fuzzy in his head. And he called me on the phone, and he's like, I don't know what to do. Um, because I, I'd already told him that the Bible says it's better not to vow a vow unto God than to vow a vow and break it. And he's trying to figure out how he's going to finish out these next 18 days um, just on water. And that's why I told him, I don't believe God wants you just on water. It's easy for monks and pastors, people who sit in chairs all day long and read, read the Bible inside air-conditioned rooms to fast. But I don't, I don't believe anybody in Florida that works outside in the heat uh, needs to go on a 21-day water fast unless the Lord specifically tells you to do that. What am I trying to say to you? Seek God on what he wants you to do. Seek God. I want you to do as much but only as much as God asks of you. I don't want everybody to say I'm going to do a 21-day water-only fast. Um, if you're doing that to showboat, if you're doing that to, to uh, flex and uh, see if you can do it, that's not a godly reason. To, to impress yourself or to impress other people. But I want you to seek and start asking God right now, what type of fast should you do and study the Bible for fasting? Let me give you some guidelines, some med medical guidelines. I'm not a doctor. I just pretend to be one at 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, make That's funny, and y'all don't know why. <laughs> but make sure that you are medically able to fast. God gave us a brain so that we could think before we do dumb things. Now, sometimes spirituality and conventional wisdom don't run on the same track. Sometimes God would have us to do something that doesn't make sense. But most times, God wants us to use our brain and to be wise. And if you've never fasted before, don't wait until January 9th to jump in. Start doing smaller fasts now. Fast a meal. Fast a day. Pray about how to fast and start with short periods of time. And then when the fast comes around, the corporate fast in January, uh, ask God what he wants you to do. But if you've never fasted before, don't start with it. Well, I'm just not going to eat or drink anything for the next week. Um, that, that's probably not going to work well for it. Now, if God tells you to do it, this is the faith I have. Because I had people tell me don't do a 40-day water fast because of electrolytes and enzymes and medical stuff in my brain. Um, and I went against conventional wisdom then, but it was a, a desperation that was in me, and I knew God had laid on my heart to do it. I'm not going to tell you don't do any fast if you say God is telling you to do it, but I do want you to use some wisdom. Let me tell you some things you can get prepared for. If you do any type of fasting at all, here's a couple things you might have to deal with. Some dizziness, some headaches, nausea. Listen, if you, I've had people fast coffee. Now, I've never drank a cup of coffee in my life. Um, I made up early in my mind, uh, that's just not for me. And I'm not even one of those people to say, I don't drink it, but I like the smell. Who, who told me that? Oh, my, there, yeah, I knew, I knew somebody told me, uh, I don't drink it, but I like the smell. Listen, if you are a coffee drinker, 
and you decide to stop drinking coffee, I'm going to tell you something. By the end of the first day, the middle part of the second day, it's going to feel like your head is inside a steel vice and it's squeezing your brains out your ears. Headache. If you're, if you're a caffeine drinker at all, if, if you drink a lot of soft drinks and, and you cut it off cold turkey, listen, be ready for a bad headache, but hear me good, push through it. Push through it. You, 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 you might experience some, some symptoms early on because most of us have never gone more than a few hours without food. How many of y'all have ever said or heard a kid say, are we going to eat soon because I'm starving? He doesn't put that on you, does he, Nancy? He ain't starving ever, but he, he probably feels like he's starving uh, because we're used to just always eating, always eating. Do you know we're one of the few countries in the world that eat for fun? Think about it. When's the last time you got together with some friends? What'd you do? You went out and ate. Why didn't you just sit on a bench and talk to each other? Well, because we've lost all our social skills. We just love to eat. So you, you go somewhere to eat, so if you don't have anything to say, you can just fill your pie hole and stare at them. Most countries do not have the excess food and the gluttony that we have where they can just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. We eat out of boredom. I'm talking about myself included. I don't even keep food in my house other than a few things. There's always going to be cereal in my house, and there's always going to be potato chips in my house, and I'll end up eating a lot of potato chips. I, I was up at uh, 1 or 2 o'clock this morning. The, the, the Pop-Tarts weren't enough, so I added two bags of potato chips on top of the Pop-Tarts. Then I was still bored and couldn't fall back to sleep because my back was hurting so bad, so I threw a bowl of Lucky Charms down my mouth. I already told y'all, I'm comfortable being fat. I'm not worried about it. Um, but we eat out of boredom. We, 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 we eat out uh, as, as uh, just something to do. And most people have never gone any length of time without eating. And that's why I'm, I'm bringing this subject up early to y'all. And that's why I'm doing it on a Sunday morning. Typically, I don't even talk about fasting um, except on Wednesday nights. But I want everybody to hear on Sunday that we're going into this fast. And I want you to start praying about it. I want you to start getting ready for it. Uh, here's something. I don't even know if I believe this, but the medical people say it. So I'm trying to stay out of prison. Uh, break a prolonged fast gradually with meals that are light and easy to digest. Now, I've never done that, but I, you know, I eat at restaurants every night, so my stomach probably can take anything. But if you have, if you have a sensitive system and you go three weeks without eating uh, some type of solid food, you, you might want to start on some soup. I normally start at Outback, but, you know, I, I got a different kind of, different kind of digestive system. Uh, but that's what the experts say. Uh, don't, don't, uh, don't eat two bags of potato chips, a bowl of Lucky Charms, and two Pop-Tarts, uh, brown cinnamon sugar, by the way, because that's the only Pop-Tart worth eating. And don't, don't break your fast with that kind of bad food. Uh, it, it might cause you some dietary issues. Now, here's, here's something to remember, and I'm going to get out of here. Fasting is not an end unto itself. We need to seek the Lord, not the experience of fasting. And I tell you that every year, and I still see it, and I feel it in my spirit, that people are seeking the fasting and not the Lord. Concentrating on what they're not doing and not concentrating on the Lord. And I'm telling you, if you give up coffee and you're a big-time coffee drinker, you're going to be thinking about that coffee. 
if, if you give up soft drinks and you're a big-time soft drink, if you, what, you're going to think about it some, but you need to force yourself, discipline yourself, take captive your thoughts, and turn them to the Lord. Don't fast for the purpose of fasting. Fast for the purpose of seeking God. You've got to check your motives while you're fasting because hypocrisy and pride are always at the door trying to creep in. And I told you in the beginning, there's a reward for fasting, but only if you do it right. If you just fast for fun, if you just fast because others are doing it, if you just fast casually, then you're not going to get the reward that you need to get. I've told you this many times. I'll tell you again before we get out of here. I believe that fasting can include things other than food because I believe the deeper reason for, fast, for fasting is self-denial, self-deprivation, taking something off of your schedule, your normal routine, so you can give more time to the Lord. Fasting, I don't think, has to be only food uh, when you're seeking God, but it has to be something <clears throat> that costs you. It's got to be a break from your normal routine. Every year I encourage people, uh, some of you need to fast from your phones. Some of you need to fast from uh, playing games on your phones, <clears throat> reading mindless stuff on the Internet, watching television. It's taking something away from you that you enjoy. Now, if you never watch TV, don't tell me you're fasting TV. Because uh, remember what King David said, I will not offer unto God anything that costs me nothing. What can you begin to pray about that you can say, I'm going to give that up during our corporate fast so I can focus more deeply on the Lord? Desperate times call for desperate measures. And I, I, I wonder if you realize how desperate things are right now. I wonder if you realize how desperate things are when uh, in, in the 2020 census, uh, it was determined that America, for the first time in the history of its country, had less than 50% of the population attending church. Now, church is not the end-all, be-all. God is the end-all, be-all. But if you're serving God, you're going to follow, you're going to follow the life of Jesus, and you're going to be in church. I don't know if I, I saw a thing on the internet yesterday. It asked, uh, turn that down a little bit for me. It asked. Um, now I want you to play. I just don't want to be that loud. It asks, have you seen any empty shelves on grocery stores? I have, and I don't even buy groceries. Um, I, I went online uh, to buy a, a new pair of um, Air Force Ones for me and my kids. They only had Air Force Ones in 6s and 14s. Go to Nike.com. Try, try, try to buy anything, not a 6 or a 14 right now. If you think this supply chain shortage that they're talking about on the news is not impacting people, it is. Our country's never been uh, facing more than we're facing right now. With this pandemic that's still ongoing, with this uh, media trying to scare everybody from leaving the house, the state of Oregon will be voting this month on whether or not to go back to mask mandates indoors by yourself. If you're walking through your house wearing a mask and you're home alone, listen, I honk at people and wave at them. If you're riding down the road wearing your mask in a car by yourself, what? you have really let the media scare you. But we're facing things that we've never faced as a country. Gas is on its way to 5 or $10 a gallon. 
Uh, we have the highest inflation right now in America in 31 years, and it's on its way to, to listen, we're facing some hard times, and we need to get closer to the Lord. Does anybody believe that? We're, we're facing desperate times. Desperate times call for desperate, desperate measures. And I believe with all my heart that there are people in this room that want to grow closer to God. I know I do. I believe there are people in this room that are saved, that love God, that need a move of God in their life, that need God to come through for them and really break some things off them, to help them in, in one of those five realms that I'm always talking to you that, that we live on. Come and break off something that's hurting you physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, or financially. Draw into God so that God can change something in your life. I want you to start thinking right now and for the next couple of weeks as we get ready for our fast, what would it be that you really would want God to let you put behind you? Some of you living on past hurts. Some of you dealing with stuff that you should have let go a long time ago. It, no matter how many times I tell you, the Apostle Paul said that he found that the key to being close to God was forgetting the past. If God walked in the room right now and, and just started with Deacon Cedric and went all the way around the room to charity and, and said, give me one thing that you want me to fix for you. Don't say it out loud, but I want you to have an answer. For some of you, it'd be peace of mind. For some of you, it might be a physical thing, a, a spiritual thing, uh, a financial thing. But I want you to start thinking, if God was going to do something huge for you, what would you want it to be? And I want you to zero in on that, and I want you to let that be part of the reason why you fast. Some of you know that you're ever growing colder to God. You need to get jump-started back into your spirituality. Let that be part of the reason why you fast. Some of you used to pray more than you do now. Some of you used to read the Bible more than you do now. Some of you never prayed much or read the Bible much. Search for a reason. Because I believe that the fast has to be focused. And I believe you need a reason for why you're doing it. They always had a reason in the Bible why they fasted. They just didn't random fast. They had a reason for why they fasted. And I want you to be searching and seeking God as to why you should fast. And choose a reason to fast and start getting yourself ready. Every night during our 21 days of fasting, we'll be at this church and we'll be on our knees praying. What we do tonight on first Sunday night, an hour of prayer, no preaching, no teaching, is what we'll be doing for 21 days in a row, other than Wednesdays and Sundays. Well, no, Sundays we'll be doing it, um, but Wednesday nights we'll, we'll continue to have our regular Bible study. Uh, but every other night of the week, we'll be here on our knees searching God. Let me close by telling you this. You don't have to wait until January 9th to start seeking God. The Bible says he's our ever-present help in time of need. I wish I had a magic wand that I could wave over you and fix your deepest hurts. It, it hurts me to see people hurting. And I, I wish there was more that I could do. But I, I know someone who can fix it. And if you'll cry out to God, he will prove that he is an ever-present help in time of trouble. If you will seek God without waiting, 
Now, I want to teach things about fasting in the next few weeks, but I don't want you to wait until we start a corporate fast to start seeking God. I want you to seek Him every day. Christianity is about a relationship with God. All relationships require communication, talking, and listening. primary way we talk to God is through prayer. The primary way we listen is through His Word. Start praying more this month. Close out this year the right way as a Christian. Because we're about to enter into a new year. And people say this. They say it like they forgot they said it last year. I've had no less than a dozen people tell me, wow, 2021 went by fast. Went by in the same amount of time 2020 went by. And it's, it, it, it's going to go by in the same amount of time 2022 is going to go by. And we need to start living on purpose. We need to start realizing that we have a mission from God. And we need to seek Him every day. He said, if you search for Him with your whole heart, you'll find Him. I want you to consider doing away with some things now, even before the fast. Because I tell you, every year during the fast, you cannot fast. You can't not do something for your fast that you plan on picking back up after the fast. That's a sin. You don't fast sin. You repent of sin. I was at a baseball game one time, and I overheard the woman uh, in front of me uh, talking to the, the man she was sitting next to, and she says, I'm fasting cursing for Lent. Well, so I knew she was Catholic, not because she was cursing, but because she knows what Lent is. So her whole mindset was off. You, don't, you can't say, you know what, I, I, I'm going to fast breaking into people's houses and stealing stuff. For 21, no, that's sin. You repent of sin. You don't fast sin. You repent of sin. But there are things that we do that aren't necessarily sin that you can get rid of. You can spend less time on the television. You can spend le less time on the phone. You can spend less time on the computer. You can spend more time getting to know God. He said he listens to us. He hears your prayer. I want you to start talking to him more. I believe that with great adversity, I believe there's going to be great adversity moving forward in Christ, but I believe God is greater than all of our adversaries put together. Can anybody say amen? Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that you give us instruction to do the things that you've told us to do. Lord, I pray even now that your children will begin to prepare for our corporate fast in January. Not waiting until then to get right, but getting right now so that we can seek you with all our heart. God, I pray that you would move in this place. I pray that you'd raise up men and women, young people of faith. God, I pray you'd fill us with your spirit and give us a desperation for you and understanding that we need you more than we need air. God, I pray that you would let us be useful. Let us be tools fit for the master's use. God, there's so much that needs to be changed in the world today. Lord, I pray that you would ready us to be used by you as your hands and feet to take your message to the world. Thank you, God, for salvation. Thank you for healing. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We love you, God, and we vow to choose your way this day. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.